This podcast has been made possible by Planful and U.S. Bank. This is episode 541. I think understand your stakeholders and build the relationship. Take the time to listen uh, and understand that aspect of it. Because any value that you bring from the strategy and finance side of things uh, is so dependent on all these stakeholders. Is understanding that you as an individual contributor cannot always affect the magnitude of change you want to. And it will depend on your team and all of the stakeholders around. So I think stakeholder management, truly listening and, and realizing that you do that as a group would be just advice for anyone stepping in it for the first time. As an Indian citizen living in the United States and working for a Dutch company, ProQR CFO Smeetal Shah frequently spends her days on conference calls with investors from Asia, Israel, and Europe. Or so we learned from our discussion with CFO Shah as we explored her path to the CFO office and the unique offerings and treatments ProQR is preparing to bring to market. Our discussion begins after this. In an ever-changing world, it can be tough to keep up with the latest FP&A trends and innovations that keep you ahead of the game. Luckily, there's a podcast for that. Tune in to Being Planful, the podcast for finance leaders and planning experts, and stay in the know about what's happening in planning and forecasting. Guests like influencer Chris Ortega, Boston Red Sox CFO Tim Zhu, and Brian Lapidus of AFP will keep you up to speed on how you can put finance in the driver's seat this year. Find the full episodes at beingplanful.com or wherever you get your podcasts. P.S. Think you might make a great guest on the show? Shoot host Rowan Tonkin an email at beingplanful at planful.com. for rare diseases where there exists a high need for new medicines. Smeetal, welcome. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate you having me. Smeetal, we're looking forward to uh, learning about ProQR, its offerings, and your priorities as a finance leader. But first, as always, we ask our guests to look back for us and share some of those experiences they feel prepared them for a CFO role? What comes to mind for you? I guess um, there are a lot of things that shaped me uh, personally and professionally uh, to get where I am today. And if you had asked me growing up, is was this my dream to be a finance leader? Uh, that wouldn't have been my answer. <laughs> uh, but, you know, along the way, this is uh, where I am. But I would say there were a, a few things that kind of shaped it. Um, 
you know, first and foremost, I, I grew up in uh, India. Uh, so making the transition that I made um, to move to the U.S. to uh, get further educated was one of the bigger ones uh, personally for me. Um, a lot of differences culturally, socially, work ethos. And in that sense, it really prepared me to be more versatile. So today, you know, I'm an Indian citizen living in the United States and working for a Dutch company. And on a daily basis, deal with investors from all over the world, including Asia, Israel, Europe, um, and, of course, the U.S. So I would say that's kind of uh, one of the big, uh, you know, uh, milestones, if you will, to, uh, you know, going on, going on this journey. I think, secondly, of course, it's all the work experiences you had, right, um, doing really bench-scale research at uh, Johnson & Johnson when I first started out my career, to then going to a much more strategic and financial view uh, through my work in investment banking um, at J.P. Morgan and then at Neving. Um, then moving to Gilead, where, you know, I uh, was very fortunate to be there during probably one of the biggest, um, largest uh, biotech commercial launches uh, there was that the industry has ever seen. Um, so I think you know, those obviously build you in, in your experience to be strategic and, and, and financial. So that is one. And then I guess one which probably happened over, over this whole journey is to kind of realize that as you grow into a leadership role, um, there is so much more that you bring through the teams you build um, than just what you do individually. So it's also going through that transition. Um, which, you know, in some ways I'm still going through. Um, so that, that's kind of brought me to, to where I am and what I do today. Could you today be a chief operating officer? Could you today be a, you know, some other type of C-suite member, or was it always going to be finance? Uh, that's a good question. And um, I guess the first step would always be finance in, in a way, um, but more strategically, as, as, as you picked up from my background, I, I mean, I don't come from the more technical public accounting side of the world. Um, I actually come from a very entrepreneurial background. Uh, my parents were uh, small entrepreneurs in India. They uh, built a business around actually uh, making pharmaceuticals uh, that go into some of these medicines uh, and the generics that you use today. So that was always kind of kind of uh, part of me. So I knew it would always have to be something strategic. I think finance fits really well down the road. Could it be a chief operating officer? Potentially. Um, and I, I would say that even in my current role today, I don't just um, do finance. That's, of course, core of what I do. But I also oversee a lot of business functions, um, including business development, communication, uh, commercial. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's a broad spectrum. Again, I'm curious, you, you made this jump, and I, I would suspect it's that entrepreneurial itch that finally led you to say, yes, I'll step into the CFO role here. Uh, but you had been looking inside many different startups and, and companies over the years where you probably had other opportunities to join in the past. Why here? Why this place and time? 
Uh, if I had to answer that in a in a very cliff notes version, it would be really really passion. So if I think about my when I stepped into this role first, right? Um, it, it was the first time I was stepping into being the chief financial officer. So in some ways, I didn't know what to uh, expect or, or or what to create. Um, I knew that it would need to be something entrepreneurial, practical, given given my my background. Um, so that sort of always lured me towards the smaller company side of things. You know, I've I've been in big companies where you know finance can very very easily be just a service function. So you could be making widgets or drugs or or, or what have you, and you know people working in finance. Um, could do their job in exactly the same way, and 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 that's not sort of uh, where I want to be. So that sort of narrows some of that down. And I do think this company has a very very unique uh, story. Um, our founding uh, CEO, he has a child with a rare disease. Um, he was a tech entrepreneur for a number of years, um, and when 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 his uh, child was born, he decided he wasn't going to sit on the sidelines. Uh, he was going to bring his experience in, in technology, learn about biotech, um, and, and start something in this field. He recruited really great folks. Um, you guys might have heard of the late Henry Tamir, who was the CEO at, at, at Genzyme and a longtime advocate for rare diseases. Um, you know, our, our CEO went and stood outside his door 30 days in a row <laughs> um, and, and got, him, got him to be on board. So the passion exists sort of all across the company, which is something very, very unique. Um, so this seemed like a really good blend of what I was looking for, something entrepreneurial, something with impact, and something that had, had passion, where you could add value in multiple different areas, not, not just the accounting aspect of it. So tell us about ProQR and sort of the stage of maturity it currently is at. Yeah, so we, you know, we're a company that is focused on rare diseases, um, and we are focused uh, primarily on ophthalmology, uh, which is eye diseases. Um, so what we target is we target to help uh, design drugs that help people um, that have genetic forms of blindness. Um, for example, the first program that we're working on, which is called Cephaparsin, um, it targets this disease where, because of a genetic mutation, uh, you are, are born with a very strong visual impairment where within the first few years of life, you, you lose all sight. Um, and we are developing a medicine uh, for that. Um, it is so uh, profoundly impactful when you're studying this in a clinical trial and a patient uh, calls uh, his physician and says, you know, I've been blind for about a decade and a half or two. Um, he was one that could not see a hand moving in front of him. Um, and with that eye treatment that he got in one eye, uh, he said, I can see, I can read these signs at the airport suddenly. Um, so that's, that's, that's something that's profound that impacted for a person, right? So our company really wants to uh, develop a portfolio of these medicines to help many people with these types of uh, genetic diseases uh, with the goal to have a number of these on the market within the next five years and work on, on a, a whole lot more uh, and build the company around that. 
So that's really what we do. So if all went as planned, uh, the offerings, the medicine would be um, enter the market next year, or uh, is it longer, or where are you along the development spectrum? Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> drug development is, 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 is a risky business, and, um, you know, you never know what happens. Uh, as I mentioned, this was one of the experiences we heard from one of the patients. Currently, we are uh, studying this medicine in what we call a pivotal trial or a registrational trial, meaning potentially uh, if we meet the criteria that we've defined in this trial that we're, we're doing, then we could, uh, you know, submit it for approval to the Food and Drug Administration called the FDA. Um, and that's something we expect to happen probably around the end of next year, uh, early the following year, is when we would have data. Um, and based on that, we would then uh, ideally uh, try to get this medicine approved. So does that answer your question on kind of where it is? Uh, we always think about it of how far is this from patients, and, and that's kind of how I try to address it. So the, the company's clearly uh, established itself with the investment community, and um, but in, in so many ways, it's still really a startup. Yeah, we're, we still consider ourselves operationally a startup. Uh, so... Uh, we operate in that sort of entrepreneurial mode that said we are a publicly listed company, so we are listed on the NASDAQ under the ticker PRQR. Um, so bulk of our funding comes from institutional uh, investors, and we have a great set of uh, investors um, that then help us uh, fund these uh, trials and hopefully get some of these approved down the line. Was there maybe a... Uh, marquee investor that uh, originally uh, became involved with the company, or may maybe you can give us a, just a quick history of some of the early investment that uh, got behind the company. We do have a lot of institutional investors, um, and that process happened pretty early in our development for us. Uh, so for the most part, that those are the sets of investors we've had. We have some venture capitalists, but very, very, very few. Uh, so I wouldn't say that there is some seminal investor that put that in, which would be um, somebody that everybody would know and you would want to talk about. Just wondering, when you stepped into the role, uh, what were your priorities? What was it that uh, you realized you could influence, have impact on? What were those priorities that you lined up for yourself? Yeah, as I mentioned to you earlier, you know, when I first came into the role, um, it was the first time I was sitting in, in this role. Um, so I didn't have a very set idea of what to expect or what to create uh, other than knowing kind of what I, where I wanted to go with it um, in, in, in terms of being um, entrepreneurial and, and practical. But then importantly, building the right, right team. Um, because I think in finance, you, you have to balance uh, two aspects. One is that you do have to, as, as a public company, make sure that what you're running in terms of your accounting, your processes, your compliance, that that runs like clockwork. So that needs a lot of structure. On the other hand, you want to balance that with a sense of uh, practicality um, because ultimately your goal um, 
is, as a company is different. It's really to help patients. So how do we facilitate, even within the confines of finance, what we need to do to get to that? We do a lot to build that, right? For us, really, it is key to have the right people in and really build the right team. Um, because I, I do think that motivation drives the ability to be uh, thinking outside the box. That's not something you can always teach. So it is key that you bring in people that have that. And ultimately, you hope that these people can put the processes um, and the systems in place that eventually the tactical or the compliance side of the business um, runs in a people-independent way. But on the other hand, you can use your judgment to really impact the company in a strategic um, way in different, different areas like what type of investors you want to bring in, um, how should we ensure the uh, financial sustainability uh, of the company. Are there any other areas that we can uh, help in that truly affects the business? So I think it's that sort of mindset and thought process is what I wanted to uh, create in, in, in this role and in my team. Was there a part of the story you think could have been told more effectively when you stepped into the role? Was there a part of the story you wanted to bring out more um, or tell a little differently or educate uh, investors in a, in a different fashion? Uh, yes and no. So I guess uh, in general, um, the team that we have, the management team, including our CEO, um, are very articulate, very to the point. So uh, that part of the story um, certainly resonated well with our different audiences. And when I think of our stakeholders, it's, um, although I sit in finance, it is first and foremost the patients, the physicians, and the caregivers uh, at KOLs. Um, it is certainly also our employees who help us build it, and ultimately also our shareholders. So we have a number of different stakeholders. So the story is a little bit uh, different and nuanced uh, to each. I think what was critical as we, you know, uh, think about a very seminal moment for the uh, company um, was really when um, we had to pivot a bit. So I think a little bit of history would help. As I said, our, our company was started around a particular rare disease given, um, given our founder. Um, over time, we had some successes and challenges in that. Um, but then we came to a crossroads because the competitive landscape in that disease had moved really uh, 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 far ahead. So we were at that point where we could say, okay, we'll stick to this um, with the passion we have, put all of our resources in it, as a result not be able to work on maybe some of the other things and go all in. Alternatively, um, we had made so much progress on this ophthalmology or the eye disease piece of it. Um, and we were not known for it. So that's where the story uh, changed and where we did tell, you know, we, we went a different road, um, where we were now going into diseases that nobody else had ever been on. They were much smaller population. They were in a different therapeutic area. Um, the, the KOLs were different. Uh, the shareholders interested in investing in us were different. So it did then um, have a point where we changed the story. Uh, if you will. So it wasn't just immediately as I came in, Jack. Um, it was a little bit into when I came in is when we really focused the company to where we are today. 
Okay. Well, usually we ask about the metrics that are top of mind for you, and uh, we'd be interested to know if there was a particular metric or number that you wanted to either uh, reveal more broadly or bring to bring out more so people could understand better. What what metrics are top of mind for you? Uh, I wish there was one financial metric that I I could give you that was top of mind for me. Um, as, as I think about our business more holistically, not just from one aspect, um, it truly is to manage these different stakeholders, right? So what's important for patients, you know? Are we working on the diseases that, you know, some of them have? So really, our key metric as we think about building the company is what are the different diseases can we be and how many patients can we help um, and, and what is what is success? What does health mean to them? So those are metrics that we absolutely look at from a strategic point of view. Um, of course, then comes with that the KOLs and the caregivers that I referenced. Important for us is uh, metrics about our employees. We've tried to build uh, a culture which um, is a very uh, a high one of high accountability, but one of which is very family oriented as well. Um, so how satisfied are our employees? That's that's another metric that we that we look at, and ultimately, you know, wearing the finance side of it because none of it would be possible if we were not adequately funded uh, would be the shareholders. Um, and for shareholders, the share price is important. So that is certainly, if you had to put one number, a metric that uh, I personally look at, so they feel like they are making progress uh, along with us. Wanted just touch on reporting with you and your team and whether you have a sort of a philosophy or an approach when it comes to the role that your team plays and uh, helping certain numbers resonate within the organization and educate people as to the performance or uh, how far you are from certain goals, how the reporting function plays a role there. Is that something you can reflect on for us? Yeah, absolutely. So it starts up at the top from a strategic level, finance, understanding what the key objectives are for the company. Uh, and we're right in the middle of the budget process, so going through it right now. Um, and then working with the team to really translate what does that strategy mean in terms of the numbers, which is, what are we going to spend money on? You know, how are resources going to get allocated uh, across the board? It's also doing the analytics to help them understand um, and really give a strategic input. Hey, you did this trial for program one, and it seems like the per patient cost on this was X. On this one, it seems like it's Y. What is the strategic uh, aspect that changed or the tactical aspect that goes from one to the other. So helping them understand kind of what they're uh, spending that money on. On the tactical side, also helping them with the contracting piece of it, right? Um, how should you structure it so that we can mitigate um, our, our risk? Um, so sharing that with them. Um, and then you have to kind of do that, you know, even after you set what you call is the budget and help them come up with that is also to share with them how they're doing vis-a-vis -vis that budget. So from a reporting perspective, also sharing key metrics. As to, here's where you started out the trial. Here's where you thought you would be. Here's where you are. 
And that's probably why your spend is higher because, hey, you uh, did it faster than what um, you were supposed to do. Um, so although it seems like you spent a lot of money, it's, it's great because we are ahead in, in our milestones. And sometimes it goes the other way as well. So really partnering with them and, you know, giving them the information to understand where that strategy comes down into their tactics and what is the impact to the company. And taking all of that ultimately, and as a biotech company, you always need capital. What is that going to be? When do we need to raise money? Uh, what will investors need to hear from us to raise money? And also keeping them involved in that loop. So what was the investor feedback? Um, what are people saying about this program? What's really the value-creating event for us as a company? So I, I guess that's perhaps a long answer, but really involving them in all of that aspect is what I would say uh, we try to do on a reporting basis. Just to get a better sense of your, your own uh, style, sort of operating style, collaboration style, uh, I've been asking this question lately. Would you like to have more meetings, less meetings? What, uh, where do meetings fit into your management approaches? So, yeah, I think they're a double-edged sword, meetings in general, right? Um, if they're effective, they are very effective and can build a lot of efficiency. On the other hand, if uh, the meetings don't meet their objection, uh, objectives, then you have a number of managers rolling their eyes, uh, me included, as to what was the purpose of spending the 30 or 60 minutes. Um, I think you want to get to a point where at the start you want to build the relationship uh, to be able to communicate effectively. Because as is with anything, right, um, if you can establish that, then maybe it doesn't take a meeting. Maybe it's just a short email, sometimes even a text uh, that can get the objectives done. So I guess I look at meetings more from the perspective of what is the most efficient way to get to an outcome or your objectives. If the easiest way is to get everybody in a room and hammer it out, then that's probably the most efficient way. Uh, if it needs a simple decision that can be addressed via email or text, then do it that way. So I don't think there's one answer or the other. If you can keep your uh, mind on, which is what we try to do, is what's the path of um, most efficiency? Uh, I wouldn't say least resistance, but most efficiency. And, uh, and and use the meeting as just one uh, tool to, to, to get to that outcome. Well, we're up to our finance strategic moment question that we like to ask to offer finance leaders an opportunity um, to reveal how finance plays a strategic role. And uh, this is where you can look back over the course of your career and identify those times when uh, you experienced a moment of insight that led you to maybe change direction of your team or of the organization. Uh, maybe it was a risk or maybe it was an opportunity you pursued. Is there anything that comes to mind when I ask for a finance strategic moment? Yeah, I alluded to it a little bit earlier on our call, but let me kind of put it in the context that you asked. As I mentioned to you, our company was started by our founding CEO for a rare disease that his child uh, has. Um, so it started around one disease. Uh, very quickly, we also built the company to address many other diseases, which are the ones that we're working on right now. 
So to me, that transition that we went through from what we were focused on at the start to where we are right now is really a strong collaboration between the strategic and the finance side of the business. Um, and it culminated for, for, with, with a number of factors. Um, few of them are strategic in that, that the disease we were working in at the time, the competitive landscape evolved. Um, so we were no longer going to be the first ones there, and we are always going to be against stiff and very resourceful competition. The second aspect was investors, uh, where uh, they uh, also um, had the sense that, hey, are we going to put capital into this um, as opposed to putting capital into something where the competitive pressure is, is far lower and the impact could be much broader? Um, and internally to rally the troops um, so we could change the scope of what we were working on change the team from the very top. Um, a, a new head of R&D was a rare disease development expert, uh, adding a new chief medical officer who comes with 30 years in ophthalmology. Um, so all of these factors, which really came down to that big decision that we made to truly pivot the company into what we are today, which is a rare disease ophthalmology company. And for that, we did um, you know, complete soup to nuts uh, change, uh, everything from the team, uh, changing the shareholder base, uh, the focus from a patient organization's perspective, um, and obviously clearly the way we, we spend our capital and what we aim to do now. Um, so, yeah, it, that, that was a pretty seminal uh, change, I would say, in, in, in my career as well as for our company. Uh, that we were able to affect um, very successfully to what we are today. Thought Leader listeners, when we return, CFO Smeetal Shah enters the mentoring round. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. We're going to step into the mentoring round where I get to ask you several quick questions intended to inspire and mentor future finance leaders, uh, beginning with a rather big question, which is, and, and, and I, I suspect we might have already touched on your answer to this one as well, what is exciting you about finance and business today? I think finance is a very, very strategic part of any business. Uh, and strategy is what excites me. So um, finance drives it, in my opinion. You stepped in. Actually, this is a good question for you in particular, I think, because you came out of this other world and stepped into a CFO role. What is that piece of advice 
that you wish someone had given you? You had a set of expectations. You were very familiar with this company. However, you had never been uh, the CFO with all the stakeholders and all the responsibilities of finance leadership on your shoulders for this one company. What, what is it, that piece of advice you wish someone had given you your first few days there perhaps or your first quarter there? What is that piece of advice? I think understand your stakeholders and build the relationships. Take the time to listen uh, and understand that aspect of it because any value that you bring from the strategy and finance side of things uh, is so dependent on all these stakeholders. So it's what I mentioned at the early part of the call is understanding that you as an individual contributor cannot always affect the magnitude of change you want to, and it will depend on your team and all of the stakeholders around. So I think stakeholder management, truly listening and, and realizing that you do that as a group would, um, would be just advice for anyone stepping in it for the first time. Is there a personal habit or part of your daily routine that you believe has contributed to your success professionally in some way? Um, I would say a good amount of impatience <laughs> um, because, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not someone who wants to wait, um, which jives very well with the management team we have. It may not work for everyone. Uh, but we all have a sense of urgency because we all have a healthy sense of impatience. Um, so we want to do something that uh, is done today, yesterday, and don't want to waste any time because we do have a very important mission at our company to kind of get these drugs to patients as quickly as possible. So I think that's sort of a trait that we all share. Is there a book you'd recommend? to aspiring finance leaders? It doesn't have to be business or, or finance, really, but is there any book that comes to mind for you? Um, you know, I've read it before, and I just read it with my kids. It's the Harry Potter series. Um, <laughs> it, it does teach you a lot about, I don't know, resilience, uh, keeping the bigger picture in mind, focusing on what's important, um, we do all what we do for a reason, a passion, a drive, um, but but don't lose uh, touch with what's truly important to, to you. And I felt those books uh, still um, uh, inspire and entertain me, <laughs> and now my kids. Looking forward, this is our final question. We ask you to uh, look forward 12 months for us and share with us what are your priorities as a finance leader? Um, as a finance leader, keeping at least my company's goal in mind to get us uh, as close to getting medicines to patients and helping financially to get us, um, you know, in a capital-intensive business at a point of financial sustainability over the next uh, 12 to 24 months uh, would be my goal. The tactical aspects might differ, but strategically that's where I want to be is to make sure we have enough capital to do what we uh, have the ambition to do. Smeedle Shah, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thank you very much, Jack, for having me. Very much appreciated. Hello, listeners. 
Do us a favor. Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter, featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.